Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. A bit short and sweet just because we took a little more time with that than we probably should have. <laughs> no, it was fun. Thank you for just participating once again. I realize it goes, uh, it's a little challenging, I guess, on a Sunday morning to get all dressed up. But thank you for just having fun with us. And uh, appreciate just your heart to do so. And, and again, you don't realize how this makes an impact with the surrounding areas because there's several pastors that will, say, that will comment or say to me, man, that's so cool that you do that on church. Or again, the fact that we're doing this really for the sake of our kids so that they can see us as families having fun. And when you've got other pastors that are cheering you on, then once again, you realize it's, it's not messing with Jesus too much. He don't, he don't care whether you dressed up, have fun in church, right? Amen. And if you recall, man, depending on when you went to church, uh, there was a time where, uh, you know, some ladies, man, they just caked on the makeup. And so you thought they put on a mask coming to church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that was back in the day. Not anymore. Everybody's more conservative. But, you know, I'm of the persuasion, you know, there, there's certain groups that just, they believe that the women should not cut their hair. They should just put it up in a beehive. They shouldn't wear any makeup. They should wear long dresses, keep it all conservative and modest. And I'm just of the belief system, man. If the barn needs to be painted, paint the barn, man. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it <laughs> I heard that from a preacher, so don't blame me for saying it, man. <laughs> if it needs to be painted, paint it, man. Come on. So a little makeup goes a long way. Amen? All right. Well, I just lost half the church there. Praise the Lord. Well, for you listening audience, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you being with us, and so God bless you. We thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Hey, let's pray, and we'll get right into the message. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share the Word of God. We thank you that your Word brings light. We thank you that the Word changes our life, and we thank you that today, Lord, we expect to have an encounter with you because of your Word. Your Word is your voice, and therefore, we receive it today, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, like I said, I'll try to keep this a little bit shorter today just because we want to have time to fellowship with you all afterwards and just have some goodies and things like of that nature. But for you that are parents, uh, and I would say that this would apply to every parent at some point in time in your children's life. And if you don't have children, obviously you can relate it to you personally in some form or fashion. But if you have children that are, at, are still at home, I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and one that's getting ready to turn nine. And so you start to see them interacting with other friends, don't you? And for instance, we got this next door neighbor little boy, uh, boy and girl that, that comes and plays with our kids. And great kids. But one of the things that I find is that there's times my son comes home and he's got behavior that is modeling the other child. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we have seen that as parents as well. We've seen our children whether they be small whether they be teenagers or maybe they married a, a person and now their spouse is having influence and based on those influences those children those people that we love start to begin to change their behavior right and one of the things that we say and maybe we've even said it to our children we said why are you acting that way that's not you i know you and that's not you 
Have we ever done that before to our kids? Sure we have. Because you start seeing behavior based on an influence, and based on that influence, they are not being their, their genuine, authentic self, right? And so I believe that God says that to us as well. Just as we have looked at maybe the behavior of our children, maybe the behavior of a parent when they met somebody and, you know, you saw maybe that it was a, a step-parent or something and their behavior changed, whatever the case is, God understands that, but I also believe that he's saying that to us as well. As it grieves our heart, I believe it grieves God's heart when he begins to look at us and seeing us through his eyes, knowing the real us, the genuine us, and how we behave based on influences in our life, he says, why are you acting that way? That's not you. Amen. So say this with me. Say, it doesn't matter what it looks like. So listen, it don't matter what it looks like. There is a true reality. And that's going to be the, the title of my message this morning is that it doesn't matter what it looks like. And so when you look at your kids and you're thinking, what are you acting that way for? That's not the real you. God's looking at his kids and he's saying, what are you acting that way for? That's not you. That's not what I planned for you. That's not how I designed you. And you might say, well, how do you know that God is saying that? We see it in the scripture right from the very beginning of his creation. If you recall that story of Adam and Eve at the beginning of time, the Bible says that God made man and woman, made them to be in his image and likeness, gave them a life to live with pleasure and blessing, to walk with God and to know God. He, he designed them specifically, fashioned them to be just so. But then the Bible says that there was an influence that came. And the influence says, hey, what about this over here? And it began to challenge their behavior. And he says, well, what about this? And Eve, she says to the, the, the serpent, she says, well, God said. And he says, well, now did God really say that? In fact, have you ever had your kids do that? I, I know my kids. They'll come and say, well, you know, mom said. Mom said it's okay. Really? Did mom really say? Right? And that's what he's doing to God's kids. And as a result, the Bible tells us that they sinned and partook of the fruit. And in that moment, the Bible says that sin entered the earth and they were poisoned with sin, if you will, because of an influence. But say it with me. Say it don't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it looks like because God sees beyond. He's got a plan to restore and bring his kids back to the matter of how they were. But nevertheless, they were changed because of the influence. Their behavior changed because of an influence. And once again, we know that God is looking at us and saying, why are you doing that? Why are you acting that way? That's not you. Because the Bible says that he started to look for Adam and Eve as, as, as his custom was. It says that he walked with them. And it says that Adam and Eve hid. And finally, he found them. Not that he didn't know where they were at, but finally he, he got to where they were at and he asked them the question. He says, why are you hiding? And Adam and Eve said, well, we're naked. If you were from the South or like my, my, my grandparents, they'd say they were naked. We're naked. But they said we're naked. Now here's what God says to them. Who told you that 
See, God must have seen them differently than they saw themselves because he said, your influence has changed. Why are you changing your behavior? Why have you hid yourself? And by the way, who told you or influenced you not only to do this, but told you that you were naked? You see, there's influences that will affect our lives, and God's looking at us with a grieved heart and saying, I didn't make you that way. In this relationship that you have in Christ, that's not you. But there's influences that have caused our behavior to act a little bit different. Just because there's an influence doesn't mean that that's the reality of what is. Once again, when you think about your children, when your children begin to act a certain way, you're saying to yourself and saying to them, that's not you. I know the real you. The real you's in there even though your behavior is such. And God is saying that very same thing to us. The real them, the real us, has just been influenced to act a different way. Now notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So notice what it says. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. He's speaking to you and me. And he says, Do you not know that you, me, I'm the temple of God and God lives in me? Come on, think about that for a moment. If that was truly a reality to us, that it was real to us that God loves me so much so that he came to live in me and that I'm his, I'm his, I belong to him. Man, don't you think that that would affect your behavior a whole lot more if we understood the reality of that? And the answer is yes. But once again, the writer is wanting us to see things from a different perspective. He says, you are the temple of God. You're special. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Because this is what happened for us and to us through Jesus when Jesus came. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now once again, if you're not really familiar with just what Jesus came to do, this scripture really sums it up. He says that Jesus redeemed us, or that word redeemed means to purchase, right? He redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law dictated, and this was before Jesus, this was because the first man and woman allowed their behavior to be influenced by somebody else. And because of that sin nature, this world and we as God's people were subject to sickness and disease, poverty and lack, and separation from God. But Jesus said, I came... For one purpose. He says, I came so that I could purchase you back and redeem you so that you were redeemed from the curse. Therefore, you're no longer subject to, not to say that it don't 
mess with your life from time to time, but you're not subject to. You're not subject to sickness and disease. You're not subject to poverty and lack. And most importantly, you're no longer separated from God because Jesus made a purchase for you and me. So influences come, don't they? And so we got to ask the question, why are we acting this way? Why are our kids acting this way? Is God saying to us, why are you acting the way that you're acting? That's not you. So for instance, when he sees us because of what Jesus did, as a heavenly father, he's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's looking at our behavior. And do you realize that oftentimes our behavior is a response of how we feel? But I just said to you that God said He redeemed us from sickness and disease. Now, do we find ourselves getting ill from time to time? Sure, because we live in a fallen world. Do some people actually get sick and die? Yeah, because we live in a fallen world. But nevertheless, that's not God's heart, God's will for His church and for His kids. And so therefore, since we are redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease... He looks at us from the place of being healthy and whole. So when we let ourselves be dictated to and influenced by sickness and disease, oftentimes he's looking at us and he's saying, why are you acting that way? Right? So oftentimes we get paranoid. Oh, dear God, it's flu season. Don't you know it's flu season, Pastor? You know, I, I, some people go to Florida for the, the winter. I just stay home for the winter because it's flu season. I'm being sarcastic, but my point is, is that God says to us, he looks at us and says, why are you acting that way? That's not you. But because of outside influence, we let it determine how we're going to feel, Right? Or the moment we start to feel a little scratchy throat, the moment we start to feel a little under the weather, we just curl up in a ball and... Claim defeat. Well, I guess I'm going to be sick for the next two weeks because I think I got the flu. I think I'm going to throw up. And the more you talk about it, the more queasy you get, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And God's saying, why are you acting that way? That's not you. And please don't hear me as being insensitive to when we don't feel well because we're all subject to encounter sickness and things of that nature. My point is the way that God sees us is not being sick, but being healthy and whole. So he wants us to change our thinking and our attitude and not surrender to defeat because we feel as though we're under the weather. He wants us to take a stand and become who we are. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Once again, when it comes to poverty and lack, you realize that there's times where you can experienced just some hardships in life and you think you're just getting out of the water one nostril above the water and here comes a wave and you think dear god i just thought you know if it wasn't for luck or bad luck i wouldn't have luck at all right and you just feel like you're never going to get ahead but god never said that you had to live on heartbreak alley and and barely get along straight he said that he wants you to prosper he wants you to succeed and it's only through the influence of the enemy and this world that says you have to be impoverished or that you'll never get ahead and when you succumb to that and say well i guess it's always going to be this way god says why are you acting that way that's not you 
I redeemed you. Jesus came. And therefore, how I see you and the real you is to be able to be a success, going somewhere to happen. But oftentimes, we just curl up in the fetal position and say, well, I guess I just know it's going to be this way. I'll never have nothing. Get used to eating pork and beans. Government cheese. <laughs> right? God doesn't look at us that way. You know, there's times where we're allowing ourselves to lose sleep at night because of all the fretting and all the worry and all the concern about the what ifs. And God's saying, why are you acting that way? Why are you acting that way? That's not you. I didn't send Jesus for you to stay in that place. That's not you. You're redeemed. You're free from sickness and disease. You're free from poverty and lack. You're free from separation from God. And did you ever notice that the old devil will come and sit on your shoulder and say, well, you know, you, you just don't ever seem to get it right, so you might as well just stop going to church. You know, wait until you get it right, and then maybe, maybe you can go to church. But so far, you've just been a failure and a mess up, so you know what? You might as well just stop. And that's just a lie of the enemy. And God says, I don't see you that way. Why are you acting that way? That's not you. Are you tracking with me? I'm talking about God seeing us the way he sees us or us seeing ourselves the way he does. Because it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's subject to change. Amen? All right, when you think about it concerning your kids, the Bible says, well, let me back up for just a moment. I said, why are we not feeling this way? But you realize that what I'm talking about is simply living a life of faith. Faith uh, is d defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let me break that down. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So God's saying the things that are unseen are a greater reality than the things that you see. So when you say, I feel sick, I hope I get better, or I would love to have an expectation to get better, God says there is a greater reality of your health than you actually being sick. But can you believe it? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? And when it comes to Abraham, Abraham was experiencing that very same thing when he was living a life receiving the promise of God. And if you know the story of Abraham, the Bible says that God told him, he says, I'm going to give you a son. And he said, well, you know, God, you could have done it when I was a little bit younger. You know, I'm 100 years old. My wife is 90. And God says, well, you know, I just thought I'd make sure that you're ready. So you're ready. But then it took another 25 years before he ever saw the son. But here's what the Bible says about Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham called those things that did not exist as though they did. Remember we said faith is a hope of the things not seen? Abraham had to see the reality of having a son more so than his ailing or aging body. Realize that his body was trying to influence him. The enemy was coming to try to influence him. <laughs> you know how old you are? You know, it's, you're 120 now. 
God told you when you was 100, but you're 120 now. You still believe it for God to give you a son? I'm calling those things that do not exist as though they do. So what did it mean, or what does that look like? It means that Abraham chose to see and to say the right thing. I'm going to have a child. His friend said, buddy, do you know how old your wife is? I'm going to have a child because God said so. The doctor says, um, I'm just wanting you to know that uh, it's not going to happen, sir. We did a physical, and it's just not possible. Abraham said, I'm going to have a child. He called those things that do not exist as though they did. This is the reality of what faith is. So, you can sit back and allow the influence of how you feel to determine your future, or you can see what God sees and say, that's not me, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm not going to be moved by how I feel. I'm going to say, and I'm going to call those things that be not as though they exist. And therefore, I declare, I'm getting healthy and whole. My body is getting strong in Jesus' name, because I'm the healed of the Lord. Are you tracking with me? Now, here you've got to understand. It's almost like a splitting of hairs, and you've got to understand this because one of the things that people will do is, is when you start talking about this, and they're like got snot running down their nose, they're hacking up a lung, and you say, uh, uh, you all right? I'm fine in Jesus' name. I, I, I'm not sick. No, the reality is, is that you are sick. And if you're telling me you're not sick, you're actually lying. And you're saying what is, is not. That's not what faith is. Faith calls those things that are not as though they are. Did you see the difference? Because if I'm sick, hacking up along, and I'm saying, I'm healthy in Jesus' name, or I, I'm, I'm not sick in Jesus' name. Or you go to the doctor, and, and your appendix is about ready to burst. And the doctor pushes on your side, and you're like, oh, and he's like, does that hurt? No, don't hurt in Jesus' name. No, don't hurt in Jesus' name. No, that's a lie. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. And that means I've got to see what God sees. It doesn't matter what it looks like because God said, and therefore I hook up with God and I say, no, I'm getting healthy and whole in Jesus' name. Healing is restoring my body to fullness. Amen. When I was coming into work just a few weeks ago, you know, I had a sore throat and just kind of feeling yuck in my head. And so just like all of you, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like, hmm, hmm, wonder what, hmm, COVID-16 or COVID-19. You, you know, you start thinking. And so what did I do? Rather than allowing myself to be influenced and say, yeah, I just don't feel good. I said, no. In Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that I'm healthy and whole because I'm seeing myself the way you see me. And I began to praise and I began to sing and I began to shout and I began to declare the word of God. And I drive about 20 minutes to get to work. And by the time I got to work here in the office, I was feeling wonderful. Why? Because I chose to call those things that are not, which is my health and healing, because I was feeling poorly. I began to declare how God see me rather than me saying, well, this is how I feel. Am I making that more confusing or are you tracking with me? Because God's looking at us and saying, stop acting that way. That's not the real you. Now let's put it on the other example or on the other foot, if you will. Many of us have children, right? 
and they're dressed up today. Maybe they dressed up yesterday. And I can remember my son, you know, uh, a couple years ago, he was Spider-Man. And he puts the Spider-Man outfit on. And, you know, back in the day, you know, when we, we had Spider-Man, we had like the plastic, you know, with the little rubber band around it, like this, met your, you know, smushed your face. Now they got it all padded, make them look, you know, like they're muscular, you know, just cool outfits. And so my son, <clears throat> he comes in the room, he's got his mask on, he's got his outfit on, he's like, I'm Spider-Man. I'm like, okay, yeah. And he come around again, I'm Spider-Man. And then you call him to dinner. Hey, Carson, it's time to, time to eat. He comes to the dinner table and he's got his outfit on, I'm Spider-Man. Well, I need Spider-Man to leave for a moment and Carson needs to come to the table and eat some dinner, right? We see, the reality is, is that you can put on something and allow what comes on you to define you but regardless of what comes on you or what you put on you, the reality of who you are is still on the inside. Amen. And so, again, there might be times that sickness and disease starts to show up in your life. That doesn't have to define your, your fate. It doesn't have to define your future. Why? Because the real you of how God made you and what Jesus did to come in to redeem you from the curse is the reality of who you are. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. When my son shows up today and he's got his G.I. Joe outfit on and he comes around with the gun, he's like, hey, he's shooting at me. All right, son, it's time to put that down and it's time to be Carson right now. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Carson, you need to show up and give attention. And that's what God is asking us to do. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what your physical body looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on in your mind right now. It doesn't matter what your marriage looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on with your kids right now. It's subject to change because we can stand up and say it doesn't have to be that way. Because God said, this is how he sees it. Now let me give you an example. Or give you some scripture rather. Jesus said this. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All you good Catholics, thank you. <laughs> Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's desire, Jesus declared it, said that God's desire is to be on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so many times people will say, well, you know, God uh, sometimes makes you sick. Sometimes God lets you get sick because he wants to teach you something. Or sometimes you just made a mistake and therefore God's just slapping you upside the head. All right, let me ask you the question. If it's God's will for some people to be sick or some people to be poor or some people to have less than or struggle in life, then wouldn't it stand to reason that there's some sick people in heaven? Wouldn't it stand to reason that there are some poor people in heaven, that there are some people that just doggone it because of the family tree that they were born into, they're just going to struggle in heaven? No. No, they're, they're living the life that God designed them to live. And he says, I desire that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that verse by itself eliminates a lot of arguments and conversation right there. But let's take it a little step further. Look over, in, if you will, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. See if I'll read it from the... I always forget that it's up here. We got it? Someday. 
<laughs> All right. Let me read it to you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is what it says. I'm going to read it from the NIV translation. It says, this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. confidence. Now say this with me. It doesn't matter what it looks like. All right, so this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will. All right, we know one thing particular, that when it comes to His will on earth, it's the same as it is in heaven. So whether you have any other verses or not, I'm just going to ask you, is there any sick people living in heaven? No! So do we have to live in existence on this earth just accepting, well, you know, I get sick and it takes three to four weeks and it runs its course? Or can I say, no, that is not the will of God? Sure we can. When it comes to struggling in this life with poverty and lack, now let me qualify that because if, if you're sick in your body and your diabetes is going through the roof but you keep on eating that, that, that cake, you know, there's some natural common sense you need to work into this thing, Right? Or, you know, when it comes to your, your, your finances, if you're just being foolish with your finances, you know, God can't help stupid, right? I mean, he can, he can do miracles, but he can't fix stupid. You make a choice of what you do with your finances. But nevertheless, God says, I didn't set you up for failure. So once again, I can stop right there and say, you know, in these areas of my life, I know what the will of God is. And he goes on to say this. That if I ask anything according to his will, he does hear me. So if you question or wondered, does God hear me? Does God care? He just told you, I hear you. And then he says this, and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Woo, praise the Lord. Man, that is about enough to make you happy right there. I mean, that just make you run around the church. That make Matt get up here and just, you know, let her rip, man. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He said, I will give you whatever you ask. So in other words, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And God's asking you and me, why are you acting that way? Because you don't have to. That's not you. So in other words, we got to stop looking at what we see and start seeing what God sees. And if you'll see what God sees, it will change your attitude. And I'll close with this statement here or this, this story, if you will, because it's called the praise cure. It's the praise cure because the praise cure will fix anything. And the reason that somebody praises is because they actually believe and trust God. Now, there was a woman... That was a missionary to China several years back. Her name was Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman. And she went to China because during that time there was a great outbreak of smallpox. And as she was helping all these people, she actually contracted smallpox and got very sick. But she was a very godly woman that knew God. And I want to read this to you just for the sake of just sharing this story with you. But it says the doctor's... A uh, doctor had said that he feared for her life and her case was very serious and the complications were threatening to her life. It says, but she praised and she praised and she praised and she sang and she sang. And the doctor says that she was evidently delirious, but, he was, but there was so little help that they couldn't restrain her. And she continued to sing and sing and sing and praise and praise. 
And then he told her that if by any chance that she did recover, she would be disfigured for life. And she continued to sing and praise and sing and praise all the louder into the evening. And because, because I have, or excuse me, I'm sorry, she's singing into the evening. And the doctor asked her, he says, why do you praise so much? And she answered, because I have so many pox on me. God showed me that I must praise him for each one separately. And she kept right on at it. And the Lord had showed her in a vision. He says that you have two baskets, one that contains your praise and the other, uh, excuse me, one that contains your pra praise, which is half full, and the other, which is your testing, which is full. And he told her that the praise basket must be filled so that it would outweigh the other. So she kept at it. Her songs and her shouting were so spirit-filled that it was contagious and all the other Christian nurses couldn't resist but joining in. And so they kept the place ringing. And at last the Lord showed her that the praise basket was full and overflowing and she saw it sink and the testing basket rise up into the air. And in a moment... As it seemed, it says, there erupted in all the uh, uh, symptoms vanished, leaving not even a trace, not even a scar. So what did she do? She saw what God's word said. And God says, you trust me for my word and you continue to praise me as though it's real. The, <clears throat> excuse me, the doctor said, don't you know you're going to die? You need to stop it. You need to be quiet. And all the while, she praised God more, praised God more. Why? Because she did not let the influence define her, but she let what God said and how God sees her to be what she saw. And therefore, therefore she began to continue to praise. And she was miraculously, miraculously delivered and healed from every smallpox. Amen? Let's stand. Now, I got you a little bit primed this morning. I got the water stirring a little bit. But right now, God's asking you the question. Why have you been acting the way that you've been acting? He says, that's not you. He says, don't you know what I've done for you? I've redeemed you from the curse. Therefore, you don't have to be sick. And you don't have to be fearful of sickness. When it comes to poverty and lack, he says, I didn't make you to be impoverished or impoverished. I didn't cause you or call you to live a life of defeat. Jesus came to give you a life of victory. So why are you acting that way? That's not you. So my question for you this morning is, is what's troubling you? What have you been chewing on? What have you been stirring on? What's been haunting you? And my question for you this morning is, is if faith calls those things that be not as though they are, meaning in other words, right now, the thing that I desire is really my true reality, regardless of whether I see it or not, it is as real as real can be because that's what faith is and that's what God said. So therefore, if I had it right now, how would I act? I said, if I had it right now, how would I act? If you had it right now, how would you act? 
The thing that you've been desiring, the thing that you've been needing God to do, the thing that needs to change in your mind, change in your body, change in your marriage, if it was done right now, how would you act? Would you sit there? Or would you praise? All right? So I guess we got an opportunity to praise God. You got some things you want to see changed. Do you believe that it's a reality this morning? Then you got a basket right now, right in front of you. You want to fill it? You want to see some things change? Right now in the atmosphere of faith is the easiest place to do it. Where we collectively come together and lift our voice. Come on. How would you act if you had your answer right now? How would you act? Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's do it. Close your eyes. Can you see it done? What do you have need of? Do you see the answer fulfilled? Whatever it is that you've been asking God to do, do you see what God sees? And if you see what God sees, is it worth your praise? Come on, let's lift our voice. Father, we praise you. Oh, we glorify you. We honor you, God. Oh, we praise you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. All right. I I was trying to lead you in it right now. Uh, And and obviously, you don't have things that you want to see turn in your life. And so if you don't mind for just a moment, I'm going to have me a time with God. Because there's some things that I want to see changed. I want to see some things changed in my life, in my church, in my marriage. And I'm going to see it the way God sees it. So if you'll excuse me for just a moment, me and God, we're going to have a time right now, okay? If you want to join me, you can. But right now, I'm just going to get a little selfish. Is that all right? All right. I'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> oh, Father, I praise you. I glorify you. Oh, I magnify you. You are the God that makes a way. You are my God. You are the one that makes a difference. You are the one that sets the course. You are the one that has redeemed me. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Oh, thank you, Father. It's turning right now. I see it, Father. I see the answer. I see the fulfillment of it. I see your goodness. Oh, thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God forevermore. I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're worthy of the praise. You're worthy of the glory. Oh, it's turning right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's turning right now. (laughs) Praise God forevermore. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Now, you might say, Pastor, you just was making a lot of noise up there. Is it really necessary? Well, if you know my circumstance, then... Or since you don't know my circumstance, you don't know what it's worth. Well, listen, I'm not going to be afraid to praise God, to lift my voice. Because I know my God's faith. Amen. Amen. 
And once again, it might be a little bit foreign to you, thinking, well, I'm not used to making noise in church. Well, then on your way home today, make some noise in your car by yourself. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to just endeavor to be, give you my praise. Because it don't matter what it looks like. Amen? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. I'm going to let you go at that. Remember, we have life groups this week. Prayer at 630. But please, do not leave without going down and having some fellowship. We've got donuts and cider. You will enjoy them. And again, we just appreciate you being here today. Amen? All right, we'll see you down in the Life Center. God bless. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.